search. Each man different, living his own way, searching, discovering numero uno. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Broken by Concept, episode 70. We got Nathan, we got me, we got the questionable poster. We're rock and rolling. Worlds, Curtis, it started up. Yep. What an ex- is it an exciting time of year, Curtis? Legal as well. Look, I used to get really hyped for it. Yeah. Look, I enjoy Worlds. It's still um, an event, right? It's still a great event. I would say I start to really pay attention towards like quarterfinals. Hmm. Groups, like I'll tune in. I'll like, definitely watch the highlights of all the like, but I wouldn't like stay up. And like, you know, ruin my schedule or anything. Our to, schedule to is literally the worst possible, Curtis, yep. right? It's terrible for us. We, we can't watch anything. We go to sleep at 10 o'clock. It starts at 10 o'clock. Well, I think we when we wake up in the morning, we might see the back end of... The last game, or whatever. Them. Like, literally, we're a perfect, like, eight hours broadcast done, which is disastrous. We're, we're, we're VODs people for Worlds, unfortunately. Yep. Did you, um, did you watch any of the O's? Obviously, you know, supporting O's. See what, how we're doing. Yep. I mean, it is interesting. I mean, you know, we, we are punching above our weight. There's a great, there's a great uh, tweet. I can't remember who it was by. You know, he said, you take 15 of our best players and we're still beating these, like, regions, you know. It's like Brazilian players and stuff. They don't really go over to NA and stuff, you know. So, we are an impressive region, you know. I mean, especially, I mean, you look at people like, you know, who are overseas now, Fudge and, you know, King, Sharon yeah, Triple. Yeah, they literally taken everyone. They've they've taken, they took all the top three, FBI four rosters. FBI and... Yeah, they took Lost. the three top four rosters, so basically. We're an interesting region in, in the his, his history of, you know, you've got people like Papa Smithy and stuff. Um, Atlas. Atlas, you know. We, we, we've made some, Spawn. We've made a bit of a mark on the esports League of Legends ecosystem. Did, did you actually see the um, C9 versus Peace? The best of five. The best of five. Um, I just watched, like, because I knew I saw Zero Three. I saw the first game. And then there's, like, if you, if you got an early lead... Like they do, and you still like lose that game, like because I knew the result, obviously. Then I just didn't watch the other games. Like you obviously know yeah, there's better team, win, you know. But it it impressed me the fact that they were able to get remote. Oh, it's that great stuff. I mean, that's that's terrifying. I don't want to. We could go on for hours here. That's right. Not what we're about, but yeah. I mean, C nine not being top of their group, um, Japan as well. Japan's Bloody they have hell. the advantage of playing on Korea, right? So, I mean, we had this discussion in in my Discord where like. Yeah, they have good solo queue because they don't play in Japan, they play in Korea, but they have terrible scrim partners. Do they really? I mean, no one scrims them. Got Japan has, is a terrible region. Yeah, so the Korean teams wouldn't, wouldn't scrim Korean them. teams are nowhere going to scrim Japan. And yep. you compare that with UOL, for example. I thought that UOL <clears> would... I could see them beating C9 because they have European solo queue and they would probably be able to scrim a lot of the other like E-Master teams. ERL teams and yeah. stuff. Yeah, and that's like a, there's a lot of good teams in there. So mm. I don't... It didn't wouldn't surprise me if UL would beat C9, but so UL is Russia, right? That's Russia. Yeah, yeah, Russia. But C9 losing to Japan, in my mind, mm. is um, a little bit embarrassing. Mm. But um, look, we'll say that for another time. <laughs> but look, I think Worlds overall, though, I'm excited for quarterfinals. It'll be interesting to kind of see. Um, I'm actually interested for Group D. I think that's the one with LNG. Uh, it has, I think it was. LNG, Genji, Fnatic, and there's another team. But that was before the upset changes and that upset's gone, so probably going to be a bit of a stomp. No, it's Mad, sorry, Mad, not Fnatic. Yeah. Mad, hmm. LNG, Genji. I think and, and Team and, Liquid. And, and Liquid. Yeah. That is a, that's a hard group. Mm. I mean, obviously Liquid aren't going to make it through, mm. 
But then it's um out of Mad, Genji, and LNG. Though that That's who's cool. gonna make it through there? Because yeah. Mad are a very good team. Yeah. And because you and I always favor like Europeans over Korean teams usually. So mm. just in terms of like their craziness and their uniqueness. Mm. So that'll be interesting. Um what's your prediction, by the way, in terms of winning winning worlds? I have zero prediction. I'm open minded. You're not even gonna guess. I the groups like are the groups for me actually the most exciting bit. Interesting. See, it's like the groups and like the finals and the semis and stuff. Because like groups, you get to see all the regions versus each other and you get to see... Because yeah. remember, groups never go way, the way people predict. And I love seeing... It's what more, is the upset going to it, It's more the storyline. It's like who can like break the mold or like, you know, who can like upset, you know. Like that's what I like about groups is it actually creates a good narrative around the rest of the tournament. That's true. That is true. And there is a bit of momentum there, right? You could build momentum. And especially just the way that, because we know the way that the league season works, everything works up. So it's very emotional getting knocked out, you know? Because your season's over and usually the teams disband, right? So, you know, you see all that, that everything coming together. And and some of these players know that they're not going to play again for the org as well. That's right. Everything's on the line, you know? Yeah, will be interesting. Interesting quickly about viewership. Mm. Very high for planes. I think something like a million or something across all the platforms. Oh, really? For planes. That's great. That's awesome. Why is that, you reckon? And everyone's saying viewership's so bad in like NA and stuff. And mm. I think I think I think you know what's happened, and this is just, just for consistency. World's on the same time around every year. People will tune in, even if I feel like they don't play league or whatever, or you don't really watch the NLCS or esports. Everyone just knows the event. Like, you know that consistency every year? Like that's how a great event's made. I that think. is true. The consistency, it's every year, this is the time, this is worlds see the best players in League of Legends versus each other. I think that in general, League have done an exceptional job of making that world like an it's event. It's a good narrative. It's a very good narrative that they built. And this will be Faker's probably And Faker's last, back. Well, his last world. Why do you probably. think that? Really? Dude, I mean, I, I thought... Dude, he I was going to be going for another five years, Curtis. Really? Yeah, dude. He's a beast. Faker's a beast, man. I love Faker. He's like the Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, I hope so, anyway. Um, so, we'll yeah. We'll viewing it's, party. It's yeah, we'll do for worlds, we've got to do a viewing party. Yeah, to we we'll just have to completely sack our schedule, Curtis. I think it's depending on the day. If it's on a weekend, we can do it. Or that's Friday true. night, that's true. or Saturday that's night, we can do it. Yeah, just do. Good it was screw us for the next day. Yeah. As long as it's not on a Sunday night, we're all good. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure when it comes to those finals. All right, Curtis. So, should we start with your obsession with Formula One driving? Yep, I'm obsessed. You're obsessed. I am obsessed. more so than me. Well, it's more the parallels between Formula One and, and, and Solo Q. Yeah. There is so, and, and League, there are so many parallels. You have, so right now, Curtis, when you enter your coaching sessions, you're just like, you've watched Drive to Survive. Everything. You, every, everything's in an analogy. It's like, so, you know, something happens in mid lane. So what's going on here is that the pit stop here, like you just didn't trust like your pit stop and you just left too early. Like you have like- No, I do. Nerve. I have used that. I have used the pit stop from like a, from a tempo perspective. Yeah. And I have used the F1 as like, if you're overstaying on the map, you haven't like refueled or you haven't changed your tires and then someone's going to overtake you. Uh, it's good. That's a good analogy. It's a good analogy. It is good. Um, but there's so many parallels. That's why I love it. And, it. and it's just a great sport. And I think that um, for people that struggle with um, dealing with things that are out of their control, just watching a little bit of F1 and like watching that doc, that series on Netflix that will kind of put things in perspective. Like, holy shit. There's a lot... I mean, this looks a lot more frustrating than my experiences and how the hell do they deal with it? Mm. So I told you to watch the Michael Schumacher documentary. You gave right? me some homework, Curtis. So... First thing that stood out to me, Curtis... Wait, right? so let's... Who is Michael Schumacher? My, who is Michael Schumacher? So for those people who are not familiar with F1 yes, and don't give a shit should. about F1, why should they care about Michael Schumacher and who is he? I mean, I heard his name growing up. In our, yeah, for our generation. Even though I never watched F1. 
So uh, I heard of him. So I was like, oh, this guy's probably a legend in well, the Because he was in his prime. Scene. That was between the years of 2000 and 2005. Mm. That was like his prime mm. in terms of like performance. And we were born in 1995. So we would have been between the age of five and 10. Young whippersnappers. So we would have heard his name on the news or our fathers talking yeah. about him or something like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, I mean, he's obviously a legend in the Formula yep. One scene. Legend right? in the F1 scene. Um, won, I don't know if he's won the most championships, but he's won a metric ton of championships. German, he was like the face of Germany at the time. Incredibly dominant. I think he won four championships in a row. Was it four or five between the years of 2000 and 2004, 2005 with the one team, Ferrari. He won championships before that, but like in a row consecutive championships, which we know not only getting to the top is one thing, but staying on top is a whole different ball game. Absolutely. Mentally, motivational issues, people knowing all your techniques and your tactics. There is so many factors at play. People don't want to tear you down. The media, everyone wants you to lose at some point. Everyone's waiting for that person to lose. So what did you take away, Nathan? All right, so I'm going to quote out something here. This is the first quote of the series. It's obviously Michael Schumacher talking about his mindset, his approach to Formula One racing and his success. When I read this out, I want you to replace in your mind the word car with champion. All right? It's very short here. You have to become one with the car. You should know exactly how much stress you can give to the car because there's always a limit. And you should be careful, like with everything in life you like, you have to have that kind of feeling to not go over the top or not be under it. And if you do that, then both of us will be satisfied, meaning the car and I. 100% perfection to reach 100%, that's my target. I'm just that type of person. I couldn't live with anything lower. And I think that a car is the best analogy in terms of thinking about, you know, we talk about when you play a champion league, you're playing, using it as a tool to win the game. Like let, let's say there's a difference between maybe a car and a hammer, right? A hammer, there's only like so much you can really do with it, right? I mean, there might be some like expert here that says, Nathan, you can do a million things with a hammer, you know, but like a car's perfect because you can go fast, you can go slow, you can... Um, well, that's really it, Well, no, well, there's many aspects. <laughs> no, you're spot on because you can... Well, think about... That's why like a car in a race is is a, a beautiful analogy for league, is because there's a start and a finish. There's a start and a finish, yeah. and it's what happens at the beginning is like it changes the the, the race changes mm. with psychological factors between you and your drivers, and the the pit stop changes, and 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 yeah, your certain cars have different strengths and weaknesses. So certain cars that might have better acceleration, but other cars have more speeds down the straights. Others have more better steering and better around corners. Like each car. And even driver has differing strengths and weaknesses. And it's your relationship with that car or champion in many ways that allows you to kind of, and like the striving to reach that 100% is, it's so it's so applicable to, to league in so many ways. Thinking about champion limits, right? It's like, I'm, let's say you're like in the lane phase and you're like trying to like squeeze out trades and stuff. It's like 100% perfection and thinking about how can I get the most out of this champion, that damage, that auto attack ability reset, I think it's really good in terms of like the way he, the, the moment he said that, I was literally just thinking the car's a champion in my eyes. Right, yeah. Use it as a tool. Like like my goal. Yeah, I didn't think of that. That's a really great analogy. My goal is like, how can I get the most out of the champion? And there's a lot that they talk about in the documentary, how 
his just ability to go down around corners at the maximum amount of speed possible. That's what made him the difference in terms of he was able to get the most juice out of the car. Like people going 150 miles per hour, like around these, um, he would be going 150 miles per hour across these bends. And that's like really fast, but he's like just on like the brink of like losing control of the car, you know? And if you crash, you're dead. That's right, potentially. And that's what he was known for. He's been really, really reckless driver, but he was able to push that to the limit. So I think that's like part of the limit test. And obviously you, the great thing about League of Legends, if you limit test in league, you don't die, you know, literally. But um, I think you got to have the same mindset. And um, especially in my rank journey, I'm sort of picking up a lease and stuff like that in Java and like these champs that are, you know, you can't really make mistakes. Like, it's really important to, you know, because you can't really carry, like, in the late game. You're a bit of a more facilitator or get lanes ahead and, you know, mechanics. It's like, you know, how can I use my EQ here, alt, or, um, you know, do I hold cocoon here? Just getting the limits out of the champion. Again, also psychologically as well in terms of, you know, skill shot usage and stuff. So I think that, yeah, having that analogy, just thinking about your champion as, like, your car, it's like, you know, there's sometimes to go fast and sometimes to go slow in the game. Sometimes, you know... Um, I had a great example of a game I played, I reviewed uh, with my members on Soul 2 um, on the weekend where, you know, we were 6-0, like I did great as the early game for release. And then like, I just made another play. I just didn't need to. All I had to do was just sit back and just farm. I've done my job. We were going to win the game, but I, like I put myself in a position to lose the game. You know, that would be maybe an example of the pit stop. It's like, I didn't go, you know, that's like not going to the pit stop and refreshing and then coming back up to make sure you're keeping that tempo. Well, that's interesting you say that because there's a scene in the um, in the documentary where Michael Schumacher actually does go too far. So he, he tells, he took it to the extreme. So like he puts himself in a great position. Like he's going to win. Like mm. he's going to win the race. Mm. Like you just got to take it easy. But that's not his... Mindset. Like, that's man. not his mindset. because It's, it's 100% it's, perfection all yeah, the time. It's very difficult to switch between that mindset. Like even if you're playing Elise and you've got this, say you're like, you're killing it. You snowboard lanes, you're, you're playing Flawless League of Legends. It's very difficult to say, look, let, let me just take the, the foot off the pedal. I don't need to probably take walk that tightrope anymore. I can probably just be a little bit under it just for a little bit of safety or a, a more reliability. I don't need to do that. And that's for you, that one extra play that you probably didn't need to. It may, maybe it could have worked, but I don't need to risk that. Let's go on a little bit on the conservative side. And Michael was the same thing. I, I think there was like a scene where he was going to win. He was going to win the race. And he he was he was all he had to do was overtake the the, per, the the last person like he had to lap them, and like he could have waited until like a safer part of the track. But he's like, oh, I can do it here, and then mm. crashes and mm. then just throws the race. And it's like that's that mindset. He's like, well, if I can do it, I can do it. But you know, it's very dangerous. I think um, what I yeah, I think you're spot on though. That's a very beautiful way, a very beautiful analogy. The car is your champion. And I think that's and pushing the limits ways. to hundred percent. That's champion. Well, mastery. building a relationship with, with the, the car champion. and with the champion. Yeah. You know, you, you He said the first thing it. you have to become one with the car. And it's just time and thoughtfulness and intention and reflection. It's like a you're literally building a relationship with this thing, with this object, with this thing that you're interacting with it. And it, it gives you information and you're gonna take that and you're gonna you know, adjust appropriately. And I feel as though, you know, the car and the champions are one aspect of racing that is very similar to league. But I think another one is how there are so many elements that are completely out of your control. So to give a bit of context, I don't want to spoil too much for those who watch a bit. He joins. So the way it works is like a, a car company who make the car, like they have to redevelop a, a car every year and they get like engines from from like maybe one manufacturer and they get the chassis and then the brakes they'll get things from different places 
but largely if you're with a team they'll have to like create they have to make that car every year and he was with a very dominant he's with a team and he could have gone with any team at the time he could have gone to like mclaren who were really good mercedes and things like that but he decided to go with ferrari for like the prestige and like the would have been a really awesome storyline because ferrari at the time hadn't won a championship in like I think it was like 30 years or something. So he's like, well, I want to do that. All these champions have tried to win a championship with Ferrari and haven't done it. I'm going to try and do that. And race after race, he would have technical difficulties. Sometimes he was, his car was crashing out on the warm-up, on the warm-up lap. So imagine this. You're the champion. You're In, in your mind, you know you're, you're, you are capable. Yeah. But because of variables that are completely out of your control, you have to just suck it up. It's like, well... What do I do? So what what did he do? Instead of having hissy fit and then quitting and going to another team, which would be the equivalent of changing champion. champion or, you know, quitting the game or whatever, or blaming the meta, blaming all these people around you, ruining your game, blaming all these things. He said, okay, let's get into the details. Goes, stays overtime into the garage with his mechanics. Goes above, like doing insane hours in, on these days. Like we see, you see just waking up early, Going straight to the track, testing all day, literally doesn't leave, had dinner at the in the garage, testing until nighttime, didn't even see his wife at barely at all, just boom, 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 trying to perfect the car and build the car. And even if he knew, he knew that the opposing drivers had better cars. Imagine going into the race knowing that the, the I'm a better driver than someone, but they're beating me because they're better. And everyone no one and everyone thinks that and, and these people might not know I'm better, right? Like that's a big um a big ego problem that a lot of people have in league and I've noticed that tilt people is that what is one of the common ones? Oh, this guy doesn't know that he made the mistake or, or, or these people don't know that I'm actually better than this guy or whatever. And that impacts their, their level of play. Mm. The public is going to be saying, look how great these other races are. Look at Michael Schumacher. He's washed up, but little do they know the car is actually playing a huge toll mm. on his, on, on his ability to drive and his mindset. So he had to go out there and instead of giving up, he, he, I think he tried for five, between 1995. And 2000. It didn't take him to, it took five, five years, years of losing hmm. until he won a championship. And then he won four years in a row. And then he five won five years in a row. Yeah, 2000. Because it, like, it, like it, like, it was like a relief. It was like weight lifted off his shoulder. But what, what I admire about that is he could have easily just joined a better car company. He could have just given up. But he motivated everyone around him. He went above and beyond, got into the details, took responsibility and built an awesome car, built a car. And I love that because people like I like, and, and we're guilty of this many, many times is that your default response is like your brain is going to be wired towards getting frustrated at the things that are outside your control. X teammate, X meta, my champ, this, my champ, that their champs just better. But okay, cool. What do you want to do? Do you want to keep champ switching your champ every few months? It's going to bite you in the long run. Or do you want to actually just get really, really good at what you know and then overcome that that way? And I admired that mindset really like a lot. The other thing as well for that is you might be close. You don't realize it though. Like, especially in league, how many situations where it's like, you know, it's looking all grim and then suddenly just clicks. And then, you know, again, if you look at the results, it's like you just climb like a lot in short periods of time. Like you never know. Like I think that, especially for me as well, like I feel like that, I mean, I'm like, you could say you could look to look at my OPGG right now and be like, 
this guy, you know, Java and Lisa is not working, but like, I feel like I'm, I, mm. I just polishing up things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really think I'm getting close. Like maybe I'm delusional or what, but like, I'm just going to stick it out, you know? And like, I might get nowhere for the rest of the season. I might barely finish Grandmaster, right? But like next season, I'm confident. Like I actually am really confident in my gameplay right now as much as it might not look. Like, mm. you know, I'm just like messing up this, sk- this skirmish. Like this one game I just can't hit a cocoon, you know, like get into the details and mechanics and stuff. And I think it's, you know, that watching the documentary, literally like usually I don't play at night. And like I watched that, I was like, I want to play another three block at night. And, you know, yeah. the intensity wasn't really there, but <laughs> I was I was still, I just, yeah. I, I'm really having fun, yeah. you know, like just try, it's going to click. I know I'm confident it's going to click. And that's very difficult to do. It is hard. Like what you're doing right now with your champs or your yeah. Java and Elise, it's, yeah. no one would do that. No, no one would <laughs> do that. No. People are not going to do that. Yeah. But that's going to pay off in the long run because yeah. you're getting to a level of champ mastery and champ understanding that is far superior to anyone else. And yep, it's going to take a level of like execution or ad- you got to adapt and maybe improve certain aspects. But, you know, once it does click, that's going to be a very powerful or very powerful skill set. But on top of that, the mindset you're developing there is bulletproof. Mm. You know, that's, mm. a, that's a mindset there that you're developing that will pay dividends in the long run regardless of learning any champion, you know? I think you're spot on. Funny you say that. Now, look, I know this is going to go a little bit off topic. I think we'll come back to Michael Schumacher. And I, gotta, I just got to talk about this. So there's a little bit of a sneak peek into the, um, the book that we're reading for the book club this month. It's called um, Fooled by Randomness by Nassim Taleb. And there's a section in the book that I wanted to share with you guys. I don't have it on me, but I, I really remember it. It's um, basically this book talks about how humans are very bad at perceiving risk. We're very bad at really fork, like understanding how risk works and our risk perception, the way we, how we perceive risk is not actually done with the logical part of our brain. It's done through emotions. So when we are trying to you know, really figure out something and sit there and be logical about it, we actually struggle. We really, really struggle. And this guy who's an expert on risk, he actually accepted that he, he knows he's bad with risk. So he puts himself in a scenario where he's like, I, I'm just not going to touch it. So an example, when he was working as a trader, um, he didn't even bother to read the newspaper or get updated with the news at the time because he knew that he wouldn't, it would impact his decision making and he wouldn't be able to filter between the information that, that's really important and the things that are not important. And he would be, he would, he's aware of his inefficiencies to deal with risk assessment. Like he would say, all right, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to, if something's really that important, it will, can't, it will like rise to the surface and I'll make the appropriate adjustments. But he knows he can't really forecast things properly because his mind, he's aware of his emotional deficiencies. Now, there's a chapter in this book where it talks about noise versus performance. So in everything, in any endeavor, whether it's trading, whether it's league, whatever it might be, you're going to get a lot of data, a lot of information, some of which is going to be very important for you to process what we would, let's call it um, performance. We'll call it, just give that term performance. This is very important information to consider to alter your behavior, your, your, your judgments, your decisions. An example might be, okay, well, there's a huge priest is a huge change in the season. Massive changes happening. Camps are now spawning 15 seconds later. That's a big change that's going to influence you as a jungler. And then, the, then we have information called noise where it's, you know, it's really here nor there. It's not really that important. It's not really going to change or influence your, your decisions as a jungler that much. Um, and an, ex- an example of that change might be, you know, 
ex jungle champion just got five movement speed. Mm. You know, it's just like a, it's just noise. It's useless. Or mm. they got one two base armor. It's like mm. okay, that might be significant in some niche scenarios, but it's largely not going to change your champ pool. It's not going to it's not going to change your the way that champ plays fights. It's not going to change that champ's identity. It's not going to change anything massive about that champion. Now, our job, as anyone who wants to perform in any given area, we need to be able to determine with what is worth giving time and energy, what isn't. And um, he goes on to talk about how, because of how emotional we are when it comes to decision-making, we aren't able to effectively determine what is noise and what is performance. And he, and he broke down mathematically how it would look like if you were to zoom in from if we were to check something every second, every minute, what would it look like from a perspective of like ratio from performance to noise versus if you were to check it like every year. So what he did was he took an example of a guy who was invested his money. And let's just say he was getting something like 12% um, 12% gain over the course of a year. But as we know, when it comes to trading, there's going to be some parts of the year where you're going to go down, but then it's going to go up here and it's going to, but over the long run, the trajectory is upwards. And by the end of the year, he's going to have a plus 12% gain. Now he, what he did was he says, okay, if this trader were to check his stocks every day, let's say once an hour, the, the, the ratio of noise to performance is nearly, it's like 50, it's like 51%. You barely, or, or less than that, 50 points something. You wouldn't even be able to tell between what, in terms of what is, what is the information that is relevant or, or determining my outcome and what's not. Could you relate this to checking OPGG? Exact same for checking OPGG. Yeah. If you were to check it once every hour, what you would see on your match history is not indicative whatsoever you don't have enough information. You don't have enough data to actually know the trajectory that you're on. Now, the danger of doing this, the more you check something, your wins and losses, your match history, your OPGG, the more you're going to get influenced with, with what you immediately see. Now, the way our brain works is that we, are, we have a greater emotional response to losses than we do wins. Both in trading and both in league. So this is so this is like you could look at your OPGG for it. Yep. Let's say you played a day and you yep, went played a day. You went zero through your first block and then yep. one and through the next blocks. Yep. You'd literally or think even if that you went three and three. Three and three. Even yeah. if you to a certain even if you went sometimes even four, like five um say four and two. Those, those two sometimes those losses it, you can perceive those losses to be so emotional. That you, you, you won't really view it. You won't take the wins on board, I really. I mean, ones that I'll see there, it's like, I'm getting worse at the game. I'm going backwards. Um, you know, like... These... Or they'll, say, they'll just say, oh, I got lucky in these wins anyway. Yeah. Like, they disregard the wins. Things like that, right? Like the, the pain that you will be inflicted, like the negative pain of the feelings that you will feel comparatively to, like, the, the positivity you'll get from getting a win, they're not proportionate. They're not equal. So the danger of checking your investment account every day or your your OPGG every day is that you are going to make rash decisions based off your emotions in those moments. So what he did is that the the more you zoom out, maybe if you check that stocks every month, even then sometimes we'll struggle. Even then it's still 60% noise. It was like, or 40% noise. Like there's a lot of noise. You won't be able to tell what's really happening. And it's not until we, what he recommends most people is if, if this guy would actually not check his investment account maybe once every six months or once a year, he would be a better investor in the long run because he knows he's not going to make any emo emotional rash decisions. 
And he talks about this in, in reference to risk aversion and stuff like that and how we make emotional decisions. And I found this fascinating and how it applied to league because in a way we are terrible at understanding trends and being able to recognize upwards progression because we're so zoomed in, we're so focused on what's happened this day, these past two days, these past three days. We're not thinking about what's happened the past two weeks at all, even the week. Mm. We have no idea, mm. but we know climbing in League of Legends, it's a long-term game. If you're going to get reliable results, you're going to get that 52% win rate over a long period of time. Michael Schumacher took five years. Imagine if him thought about that, just those past three races, that past four races, five races, six races. Imagine two years. Two years. Hard that zoom is, out. You yeah. got to zoom out. You got to zoom out. Yeah. There's probably trajectory that you're saying, even with you and your, your Javan and Elise. When I say I'm close, I'm prepared for six months. Like it could be six months a year. Like, I, I, you know, it could be less. But like, like you know, like I'm, I'm on the right track. Like I, I see what's going on, you know, and some games I do it well. I do it correctly. I'm like, okay, like, you know, I, I'm capable. Like this is really good League of Legends. All max information, good mechanics. And then some games I'm like, well, I fuck up this dive. I just took too long. The enemy team's ready to TP, you know, GG. And, and, and just quickly touching on, on, that, art, on that, that chapter of the book, what he rounds off that chapter with is like, this is why he chooses to not read the newspaper every day because it's just noise because he, he he's like yeah i don't i can't determine really mm. and i'm worried that he doesn't trust himself like he knows he doesn't have the yeah good at risk like imagine it's an expert the guy who literally studies it and yeah, does he knows what's going on ex expert trader yeah. knows what's going on he still doesn't trust himself <laughs> yeah. and it's kind of true in a way it's like yeah. it, even us like yeah. it's you we i get mean affected. yeah we, we you know it's like that's you, a toolkit you talked about your your last the explosion you know, the explosion you know like yeah. last week as well so yeah i mean we talk about and all I found this that fascinating it is fascinating isn't it it really is and it's it, and it's it, and he says it's it is unavoidable his theory is that you don't get better at risk assessment. It's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's, that's ingrained. That's humans capability. That's like, we just suck out. at it. Just capped out. Yeah. Suck. So rather than just trying to get it. better at it, it's like, okay, I'm just going to develop a toolkit where I don't, don't have to, I just can just go around it. Like just, mm. it's there. It's mm -hmm. a problem. Mm. I'm not going to solve this problem. Let's, let's just go figure out a toolkit to like reduce the adverse effects of this poor risk assessment in a way. Right. And, um, and, 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 and finally enough, I, mean, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but just sprung to my mind. He talks about how there's the traders that for the short term, they get the short term wins and they, they, they do really, really well. They get huge or bring it to league, huge win rates over a short period of time. Mm. They can look amazing. And this might be over the course of a few months, right? They could have a 70% win rate over the course of four, five months, six months, climb really high elo, but they did it in a very unsustainable way. And then what happens when the next season rolls around? Or even, they, this could even last them two years. And then at some point, their bad habits will catch up to them mm. and they explode. And in the trading world, he calls, he has a funny term for it where um, they, their losses, so this guy he talks about this story how he made the company $50 million over the course of years. And then with one bad moment, he lost the company $600 million or something mm. in one summer. Mm. And these people, he says they're out, he says they're everywhere. And, but we, we only look at, you know, a few years, but when you zoom out these people that don't do it in a sustainable way, don't take the shorter, the smaller gains, they get weird. They eventually they're going to explode. It's just a ticking time bomb. Mm. They're all a ticking time bomb. Mm. And it's exactly the same in league. I truly believe this. And we say this, there's people that climb in a very unreliable fashion. And we always get asked, 
How does X person climb here? X person climb here? Look at this person's habits. Look at how this person... These people... See them in a couple of years. See them in a couple of uh, years. I have the perfect example here. Terath, my coaching client, right? Soul to member. I think season eight or season nine, two seasons ago, he was he got to like 800 LP playing Skana, right? Um, and then the next two years would be getting for like 200 LP, 300 LP, going to Diamond 4. Like... Just, I mean, stuck in time for long periods of time. And as until now, the three-block process, he literally just literally just puts it down to the three-block process in Champ Mastery. He's been playing Lilla and Kane, now he's 900 LP challenger. And he's when I talk to him about the game now, it's like he actually has a good understanding of the game. But he said he knew nothing about the game when he got to, like, you know, I think he was like top 20 or top 50 when he played um, Skarna, when he got to challenger. I think it was season nine, I think it was. Um, that's a perfect example. Like he climbed in an unsustainable way, and then he just boomed and they for boomed, two they seasons. Had a huge explosion! Yeah, he, like literally diamond four. Yeah. We're talking about diamond four. Like, I remember he came to me at the start of this year saying, "I'm fucked." You know, like that's why he he came to uh, to Salto, and um, yeah, now he's actually becoming a good player. And it's always in, and it's always in an extravagant fashion as well. It's like this huge explosion. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge going from yeah, like, hundred LP to diamond four. That's huge. Yeah, <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't think that's possible, but it happens because people can find niche little ways to climb in an unsustainable fashion. And he was doing like 15 games a day, like all that sort of stuff, and now he's just three blocks only. Wow. I love it. I love the parallels. Think about it. We're going from the trading world to League of Legends to driving. It's it's very it's very similar. Nicky Lauder actually talks about this. Nicky Lauder, the F1 driver, in, the, in his book, he spoke about how there are F1 drivers that aren't sustainable. Like he talks about like long-term sustainable, like they take unnecessary risks. And how he's very critical of certain drivers. I felt it's just kind of in a, in a way that's kind of I mean, they, these people could get away with it, but if they were to win championship in and without dying, you know, every year they're just not going to make it. You know, mm. I found that interesting as well. Um, I guess that's what makes Faker so great. Just his consistency oh, over cannot, a long time. You cannot like this is why veterans, like the real good veterans, mm. they are way better than people think. Mm. Like Core JJ. Is, yeah, I cannot, yeah. I can't, cannot emphasize how good that player is. Yeah, like that guy is unbelievable. Mm. Time is the best. What's the, what's the quote? Time is the best indicator of success or how good someone is. Like everything gets tested by time. Mm. Nicky Lauder, I think in the book that we read, said that he doesn't care about the the, the first One world win. championship. It's can you repeat that? Always time and time. It's not getting challenger once. It's can you get challenger multiple seasons mm. time and time and time and time mm. again i don't care about the one time season challenge play whoop de doo are you going to do that again and, mm. and again mm. and again mm. great then that's okay then you finally can probably that's like you get that respect from you know from those players it's like i get i get that you know but core jj you know world champion doesn't get complacent stays on the same team liquid Baker. Chipping away. You cannot... It's like you compare that with the, the one... You know, the one-hit wonders. One season, cool. Where are they now? There are those players. They exist. Um, is where, Were there any other parallels from the documentary, from F1 specifically, that you can draw to League as well? That was, that was it. I just had those two points. He was very process-oriented, that's for sure. Mm. He definitely had a solid process. Mm. Oh, one thing I love that they said that as just from a kid, he had a professional mindset, a oh, professional yeah, approach. Yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. From a kid that young. His upbringing was very unique in that yeah. sense. Having a professional mindset to things is really important. 
Like this is a craft and it's so easy. Mm. And, and this is why I think that a lot of people like, like our podcast and um, come to us is that we bring that professional sort of mindset to a video game, which like people get so surprised by that. Because you you're, it's you're not ingrained. The way of viewing league. You're ingrained video games. You're either good or you're not, or like, um, you know, they're a waste or of time. Yeah, just talent. Or just pure talent. Yep. And that's what I think is really interesting about it's that your, professional yeah, it's mindset. It's the mindset towards the improvement. You're going to take it. And that's what, that's what we really mean by like the student mindset and taking it seriously. It's what we really mean. That's what you actually mean. You're spot on. But worth a watch for those of you, even if you're not into F1. Uh, great story. Shoemaker is the Shoemaker documentary. documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so moving on. Yep. You want to talk about the 30, 30, yeah. 40 rule? So a while ago, we had that infamous, remember that video that we went around the dinner table? Yep. And where, where did it all start? The th- so this is, the, we're talking about the coin flip video. I made a video, 30, 30, 40. Um, no, you, you overheard me say it. I remember one of my coaching sessions. I, I said another thing. I said it was something like uh, oh, 20, 20, 60 you said or something. Some, you said, said some like, like ratio in one of your coaching sessions and I just disagreed with it. And, was, and then we started talking about it over dinner. I was yeah. like, there's no way it's 20, 20 something. Yeah. And we started talking about it more and more over, over dinner. And then... Like we started talking about it more and we came to the conclusion that it really was 30, 30, 40. There's so many Reddit posts about it. There are other people. I saw a couple someone, of flowers. No, someone actually broke it down and did an experiment. Oh, really? And it, I was so close. Really? It's, I'm basically hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It was, that's what it showed. It was fascinating. I get the, well, the way that we did it with the question was if you're the best player in the world, if you were to climb to Chandra over, post over 300 games, more than 500 like that, games, it, you, you can only never get 70% win rate. Yeah. And it's, and that, and, and that, that's still like unrealistic. I mean, because you would have to be playing perfectly. I mean, you're getting 60, 65% win rate, maybe more. I think more there rate. was one person that did have over a 70% win rate, but I don't think they had enough games. Got it. To fit the rule. Yeah. So regardless, anyway, I've had a few people um, misinterpret the intention of the video. I I want to clarify. So let's clarify what our initial intention, when you when yeah. you said that ratio, when I said this, made this video. It's not about the ratio. I'd say that's what it actually is. You, you don't get into the goddamn details of the ratio, okay? It's about the mindset that there's things out of your control and just the way the nature of the game is. The Once you understand that there's some games that you could play really well, I mean, this is what and you want to clarify, lose. not give up, you know, play really well, and then still lose, that's a very important mindset to have in League. Well, it's a tool for the overall journey rather than oh, the specific right. game. That's it's right. not it's not really a tool that you use in your review. Because And you, so your no you're, one, you're probably as good as people are applying this incorrectly. People are trying to like look at a game and yeah. determine whether or not it's like a thirty or a thirty or a forty. Typically free win, free loss a thirty they they're typically trying to say is it a thirty percent loss. They're trying to find that. Yeah. And and where this will stem from is when uh, there was Hale he brought up in my MLA he said he was applying the this 30-30-40 rule. So to clarify, so 30% of games are losses. Yep. 30% are just free wins. Yep. And 40% of games, these are the deciders. It's in, purely in your control. Purely in your control. It's, you are the deciding factor. Yeah. And he was using it to determine whether or not he should continue putting effort into the game. And like, so his theory was that it's better, like the emotional toll and the energy that you're consuming mm. in that game is not worth it and you'd be better off conserving that energy and like caring less about that game to put it into the, the game afterwards. 
And that was like the framework he was viewing it. Look, look, you can kind of see where he's coming from. I like like the question of conserving energy because, you know, conserving energy and mental energy, there is something to that, especially through a day as well. But the unfortunate thing and why I kind of disagree, and we can go back and forth in this, is that I just don't think anyone below being a professional coach can really determine whether or not the game really was a 30 or a it 30 is difficult. or a 40. Yeah, it's like, how do you know? How do you, de- how do you know? You've got to be putting in that forty that mindset the game's 40% in your control. Every game, because like I've seen time and time again, even me, yeah. games that I thought were unwinnable, unwinnable, mm, yeah. and I would have bet any amount of money that I've won. Yeah. They happen. You talked to me on the phone the other day about you versus Sybil. And yeah. you thought there's no way this, I, you I lost, lost the this game, game that I thought was a free win. <laughs> yeah. And I was streaming it. And yeah. I, I just didn't think it was possible. Yeah. Like the, the jungler Sybil, who's Nathan made a video with him, he was playing Talia and he was 0 3 versus a fed Echo Jungle, a fed Aurelia mid. I think I top, top Cho'Gath into a Jack solo killed as well. In my mind, there was zero weight, and he was zero three. I invaded him. I was support. Mm. I invaded him at these Raptors with my jungle. Killed him again. Mm. Like there was zero way of winning, but he had an Aphelios that was pretty farmed, and like he lane ganked creatively towards his wing con. Did these really interesting picks. People messed up. We messed up a dive, mm. and like it was just little things incrementally, incrementally to get back into the game. Then they just won. It's like oh, okay, that makes sense because people play worse when ahead as well. Like people just get That's complacent. Right. Yeah. So he understands that. So I think Sybil intuitively really understands people play worse from ahead. People make mistakes. People don't play perfect. And they're not going to foresee creative plays. They think you're going to roll over. And I thought he was just going to roll over, mm. you know? People most of the time do. But mm. they are, and that, if you were to look at it objectively, this is a 30... Like, if you're the, say, the mid laner there, I think it was like a Kiana. It was a Kiana, which is a terrible matchup into Aurelia as well. Like, he had, you got by lethality into someone who gets Tarbies into the early game. Like, overall, your comp still did the really comps- well into them. Yeah, we said well, a Cho'Gath counters Jax, Aurelia counters Kiana, Fed Echo into Talia is amazing. Like, I was playing Rakan, like, I just felt like it was over. Mm. And uh, it just wasn't. And um, that game, you know, you could easily say, I mean, there was a, if applying this rule, Sybil could have easily said, oh, okay, I don't, want to, I don't want to waste any minute. Let's just roll over, you know. I want to save done. my mental energy. Save my energy. Let's go to the next game. But he won. So, like, if that happens, and even myself, I can barely determine what's winnable, then there's no way the average player is going to be able to hmm. do it, you know? So, look, then if you can view it in percentages, then let's just say out of the games that you would deem unwinnable, you still win, say, you win one out of five of them. Then you might say, well, look, I'd rather still conserve my energy. Then that will really come down to personal preference. Are you okay with losing this game that you could have won? And then it's just the premise. Then that are you going to be more inclined to give up in future games? That's the key thing. It's the long term mindset. The, the key thing is the long term mindset. We talked about the discussion about the whole dodging thing as well, right? It's dodging. That's where it all also gets tricky. Yeah. Um, it's the mindset behind the dodging. You gotta be. You're ingrained when you play league. This is where you're trying to get to. You're always playing high intensity, no matter what. That's just your default response. And if you have that over the long term, you're just that's just your your natural. It's like I, I, every game's winnable in my mind. It's like I can win this game if I play out of my mind. Or you're by 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 those games that you give up, you're overemphasizing the things that are out of your control. So you're going to be more inclined to be on the lookout or on the search for, for things. those things. That's right. That's the key that thing. Tick that box so you can just give up. It's yeah. like a, your mind will your mind will play tricks on you. Your it, mind it just wants to do the. At the end of the day, your mind does not want you to win a League of Legends. It wants you to. Uh, 
survive, have a roof under your head and reproduce. It doesn't want no. to win a game of League of Legends, okay? It doesn't okay? want to conserve energy if it doesn't have to conserve no. energy. You have to brute force it in that's a way right. to, to use this energy on this video game. And that's what's difficult. So, um, yeah, I still like people are using the 30, 30, 40, that video as a cop-out for... To get lazy. To get lazy or yeah. to not try and to give up and maybe not give as much effort into the review and blame the externals. It's just, that was never my intention. My intention mm. was it's purely like a... It's an overall... It's an overarching mindset. Well, like at the review, it's like, okay, like I think I, I assessed all my options this game. I didn't, you know, I still couldn't win. I think I played pretty well. And that's okay. That's okay. That is that's going the to key thing. That's the okay. That's the okay. It's like, I tried my best and I still lost. That is going to happen. That makes sense. This must be, could be, it's not even must be. It's like, it could be... A 30% loss. Mm. That's like the that's way right. I that's it. It's like, it could be. Yeah, it could be, yeah. It's the fact that it could is enough sometimes to keep your sanity. Keep that's your sanity, like, yeah. <laughs> what it is, it's a keep sanity tool, mm. you know? Mm. And because like, otherwise you're going to get into that loser's queue. Like that's what people subscribe to. It's like, well, mm. if, you, if you're not subscribing to the 30, 30, 40, then you're either in the winner's queue, loser's queue. And people genuinely believe loser's queue exists. Absolutely, yeah. Which again, tying back to even if it does, it's irrelevant. That's my well, what I my think. Question. What I think that losers' queue is, if we actually take a more statistical look at it, tying back to that book, mm. they're just zoomed in too close, mm. and they're overemphasizing those losses without zooming out. They, they could have genuinely got unlucky. That happens. Mm. I said mm. that last episode, right? Mm. You get six unlucky losses. They're zoomed in mm. on that. So they're only looking at noise for now, right? They're not looking. They're not able to see the trend of what's actually happening here. But then those losses do impact their behavior, which does turn it into a... You are then playing worse and then turn it into a genuine loss streak. So it's the overemphasizing of the short-term losses that impact your behavior moving forward, which is exactly what happened to me. Yep. And That's our, exactly and what as, happened to me. As you said, our brain's very good at it. Very good well, at we, that. It's, it's, it's basically unavoidable. Yeah. It's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. And that's yep. why we always talk about how the LP and the wins and losses, if you're focusing on that, you're, you're, eventually it's going to catch up to you one way or another. It's just easier said than done, right? It's easier to don't focus on the wins and focus on the improvement. But it's it's just the same boring message over and over again. People are like, if you say yeah. that one more time, I'm this video. never listening to this podcast this again. Podcast. <laughs> the same stuff. But it's just true. Mm. So hopefully that clarifies. I mean, it's an interesting take. Energy conservation. We haven't spoke about energy mm. conservation. Actually, interesting topic kind of tied onto this. You know, we talk a lot about three blocks and we talk about... Um, how it's important to like kind of maintain intensity, right? Um, have you found that you've you you've had a good game and you review it, and then you queue up, and your queue's quite long? Let's say you're, you've you've reviewed and your queue's like say fifteen minutes. Mm. Have you ever played worse, or you feel like you've you've lost it? Lost you, the intensity. Lost of the, the intensity time. because of the queue time. Well, something you've done in between the games. Yeah, I have this. Uh... I mean, when I had longer queues, I would say, I mean, I have pretty shorter queues these days. Like how long are we talking now? Uh, like, you know, five minutes, 10 okay. minutes or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the game what time I play. But I mean, I have this problem with Will. Like, this is a huge it's problem, a problem with Will. Because, you know, he's like, especially in the off season now, like there's not many players playing, pros playing. He's like, you know, he's like 1300 LP right now. He's like, you know, top of the ladder, top 20 on, on NA. And um, yeah, he, 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 he has intensity, but he loses it because queue times are like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. He like hard loses intensity. Yep. He really struck. I don't know. I actually don't know the solution. Yeah. Because I had Ting reach out to me and he said that um, he's, I think he's only in master tier in EU or NA. Um, NA. And he, 
struggles with he, he feels like he switches off like and he says like when he does other things in queue like if he if he finds himself like the longer you're in queue the more incentivized you are to like the more of a risk of losing in high intensity well you're gonna go on youtube and then yeah. go down a rabbit hole you're gonna go on social media or you're gonna just yes you're gonna pick up your phone do something is gonna happen where you're gonna you're not in that mindset mm. and what i said to him was look I don't think it's feasible to just like do nothing. Like he said, well, I can just do nothing, do like breathing exercises, but no, no one's going to yeah, do that no. sustainably over the no, long run. Yeah. yeah. In a perfect world. Sure. But I think the better way to frame it is like, okay, if it were to be like Jono for a second, you're not going to be at hundred percent intensity the entire time. So the way I, I view it is like, okay, we got to idle the car somehow without turning it off. Mm. So like, think of it, bring it back to the car analogy. We love our Formula One car. So now. when you, when you're, imagine when you're, you're dropping, you're, you're picking up your kid at school or something, right? Or your mom's there picking you up. They probably, if you if they don't know how long you're going to be, they're probably not going to turn off the car. They might just idle the car. But if you turn off the car, it's actually going to cost more fuel because then you've got to use the fuel to turn, to it, turn back it back on. on. So yeah. that's the starting of the engine, which actually costs the most fuel. Sometimes it's more fuel efficient just to idle the car, right? So in a way, I feel as though when it comes to solar queue, you don't want to let that intensity drop too low such that it takes all that mental energy to get it back online. Or sometimes you can't even get it back online. Or you can't get the car started. You run out of fuel. Mm. That's why I view it. So you've got to find a way to idle it at like a 50%. Like it's it's not really low. You've got to manage it. So if, if I were like coaching Will, what I would talk about is, okay, what, what are things that we can do to keep our mind occupied in a healthy way that's not going to distract us from league that is going to such that when we need to turn it back on, we can. We have some form of, protocol or process mm. to get it switched back on mm. is that looking over previous vods mm. is that looking at even competitive vods competitive a, games a, can be interesting and keep your brain interested yeah. somehow a but, playlist we talk about playlists like motivation playlists. playlists yeah motivational playlists um aim boosters low dodge games little mini games that you can maybe play to keep yourself occupied things that aren't getting you too distracted like i try to keep league of legends talk oriented um but I struggle with this myself. You know, I do really do struggle with this. Um, another thing that you could do is figure, okay, maybe, and this is actually something I want to experiment with, is some form of like a checklist. So like, as soon as the loading screen happens, you create like a checklist. What I'm, So I'm actually thinking of doing this where you have a thing that you, you have to tick all these boxes. Like, okay, have I thought about this? Did I look at my notes from the previous VOD? Am I aware of my learning objectives? Did I assess um, potential win cons? How do I want to play my lane? Boom, boom, like five things. And then you follow that and you, you're you in. Like something like that. Yeah, it's like a toolkit, you know? Yeah, it's like a toolkit. Yeah, I mean, that's they'll definitely help a lot from rather than thinking about nothing, for sure. Because I just think that we, we're very unaware of our, our, our levels of intensity. It's very difficult to gauge where you're at. Because when you're high intensity, you're in flow state most of the time. So you're, And we're actually not present there. Like our... We're just purely muscle memory intuition. Our prefrontal cord, our our actual logical thinking isn't involved there. So when you kind of take the foot off the gas there and you're not operating in flow state, you kind of don't remember. It's like you're you're in a different. It's like a different version of you in a way, isn't it? It is literally. I it mean, it doesn't feel like so, it's you. Sometimes you think it's like, how can I get back to that flow state? Like it's so good. Like how do I get back there? It's like a question you have. Yeah. It's like there's like periods of the year, you know, like where I was like I was really like in that flow state, like when I was playing my three mm. box and then you just like lose it. And I was like, fuck, I actually was a different person then. Well, I think it really is. You are going to lose it. It's going to come and go. I just don't think anyone is ever. Yeah. I'll, I'll flow state well. all the time. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's not realistic. Yeah. 
So that might be worth experimenting with Will. Yeah, I like that analogy a lot. The the how so the question is how can we be idle? How can we so idle? So then we, it? Can, we can start it up way quicker. Rather than going off. And then no you one what's go... here Will switching it off. Mm. You know, and you know, holding it on idle for thirty minutes might be hard. But mm. surely there's a way. Surely mm. some form of toolkit that mm. you can you know, build. Something to think about. I agree. You wanna go into questions? Yep. A short little segment here, but uh, we'll uh, jump into it. We've got lots of mailbag questions. Away we go! Jingle, jingle, jingle song. All right, welcome back to Mailbag. First question is for Victor. Title of this email is OPGG and Teammates. I say that in an aggressive Uh-oh. tone because I'm already angry. I'm just kidding. We're going to hear Victor's point here. Hey guys, I know at BBC, y'all are not big fans of OPG gene teammates in Champ Select, all right? Victor already knows our stance, this is good. Since it can lead to invisible narratives and is generally not conductive to improve in. However, I have personally had a lot of success with OPG gene lobbies. I don't really care about win rates or anything like that, but I find it useful for finding trolls and people who are probably not playing to win. For example, an ADC main on a seven-game loss streak who is deciding to first-time Nidalee in my game, I'll probably dodge that. But beyond that, I don't really look at any of the other fluff or stuff in detail. What do you guys think about using OPGGs like this? I find it really helps and can be a useful source of information. So my stance on this, I think there's a big difference between OPGG, looks like, sounds like you're doing it in lobby, like you're look, literally looking, versus actually once you're locked into the game, I do have a problem with those tools and I think you can like click and stuff and like see win rates and stuff. And it automatically stuff. pops up. I've had people in games like they check it in the game. In the game, Have you yeah. seen that as well? What do you mean? Like like, it, like it's like a, a tab function. If they press tab or whatever, it kind of comes oh, up with like really? a button and it comes up with like what rank they are. I've yeah. seen many clients like a, 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 a player makes a play and they check that rank of that person. Oh no, really? Yeah, I've seen that oh, a few geez. times. Because the great thing, you can like look at their, look at their perspective yeah, I exactly. I always see their point of so view. So no one can get away with it for you. No. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I think fine. it's a bit better. Yeah, I mean, again, like I, I don't really do it to be honest. Um, yeah, Maybe I'm wasting free lobbies that I should be losing. Yeah, look, look. Victor, he seems like he has a pretty good relationship with dodging. Like, it doesn't seem he gets concerned by the details. Like, he's not overlooking things. Like, he's just using it as a very holistic tool. If there's an obvious troll, I'm not going to play this game. You know, no matter what happens that game, you're going to lose. you got a Nidalee jungle. An 80 carry man playing Nidalee jungle for the first time. That game's done. Yeah, it is. You know, it's just hard. don't play that game. <laughs> yeah. So... I think that's completely fine. Yeah. And yet he's not using it in a negative way. The nitpick, he's not like getting really analytical about this guy has an X win rate. Like, you know, he's just avoiding really tilted trolls or stuff like that, essentially. And that's exactly what I do. And, and, and Nathan, you know this, and this is, you know, I would say not applicable to most of the league community, but we've got to put it out there. Dodging is important. I mean, it is sig- not important. Let's, let's rephrase this. Dodging has a place for climbing in high elo. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And by high elo, high elo, I mean GM plus. Yeah. It will significantly speed up the process, especially in smaller servers because of the queue times. Mm. I reluctantly had to dodge a few games recently because, um, like for example, uh, I will all like this guy asked for mid and and off me, and then whenever I, I someone asks for mid, it's always like a red flag. It's mm. like. 
you know, okay, let's just check him out. Mm. And then he's like, all right, Kiana only, I'm just playing Kiana top. Mm. And then it was, it was like a full, it was like a really bad con for Kiana. And he, he yeah. looks like he doesn't really give a shit. Yeah. And it's like, look, this game is basically done. Like, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste game. the time plus the queue time. It's just going to be a, a disaster. Mm. And I've noticed that that game that I knew that I should have dodged mm. will impact me negatively moving forward. Mm. Like it's better just it's like to a long term thing as well. Yeah. yeah, it's a long term thing. So, yep. If you're if you're using it like Victor here, very, uh, I would say, with a good conservatively. Yeah, very conservatively. Yeah, not relying on it by any means. Understanding that it is dangerous. Like you understand the, the dangers of it. And you're not using it as a crux or anything like that. And you're not really doing it to focus on the LP. More doing just to have an overall more enjoyable league experience. And it's great, man. It's completely fine. No stress. Yep. So I think that's fine. Yeah. In the, in the lobby, I'm, I'm, I'm fine yep. with that. And the way he uses it. So the next one here is from Mauricio. I don't know if I'm pronouncing them right. The title of this email is Confidence Issues. I am a diamond to Riven one trick on the NA server. I have confidence issues and I believe they are affecting my performance in game. I began recording myself when I play and I've noticed that most of the talking I do is just self-deprecation. I don't think I've ever played with confidence in my own ability. I used to shift blame to my teammates because of my insecurities, but I realized that if my goal is to improve, then doing so will only harm me. Now that the full blame is on myself, I found it to even even harder to have confidence. This affects every aspect of the game, every last hit, trade, dive, or teleport. I go for the that ends poorly will turn me to talking poorly about myself. I understand that I should hold myself accountable for my mistakes in order to learn from them, but I feel I've gone overboard. I watch a lot of VODs of better rivens in order to learn, but even that leads to me comparing myself to them. What do you think I should do? Is there any specific approach I should take? I've got a lot of experience with this one. Yep. Nathan, we've got Steve. I'm going to put him under the bus here. Steve and Ada. Steve and Ada. Calling him out. I'm sick of his shit, honestly. MLA member, Steve and Ada. I'm I'm so... I roasted him in the public general chat Mm. uh, a few days ago because it sounds identical. This guy, you know, I've coached him. I got it, you know, and now he's in master tier and he... He is the most flippy player in terms of emotions. He's just like a little girl, dude. That's why I call him now. He's yeah, little, teenage girl. Just a little, yeah, little bitch. He just, <laughs> he's just so emotional and and uh, I just roast him now because you can put it in perspective. Yeah. He's so emotional and he, when he does well, look at me, everyone, win streak. He posts his win streak. He, he can't help but sharing his win streak. He's winning all these games. Look at me. Hi, mm. I'm, I'm the God. I'm the I'm best. so good at the game, everyone. Look at me. And then he's all happy. He's the happiest guy. He can't, you know, he's going to talk to everyone. <laughs> and then, inevitably, yeah. because he's overemphasizing the wins, mm. when he loses, it's, oh, hey, Curtis, I'm just, I'm just so My lost. life's over. Oh, I just can't. I don't know what to do anymore. He says he goes that next level of just, yeah. just so sad, yeah. and it drives me nuts. It really does because you win a lot and then you lose a lot, and it's just going through cycles. Hmm. If you emphasize the high highs, you're going to inevitably yes. emphasize the low yes. lows. What we want is a nice little stable, yes. right? It's like okay, you know, I'm on the process. You know, I, I'm like so him specifically. It sounds like um, Morocco there, he um, 
he's he does he takes the accountability to the extreme where it's yeah. like like what, what we talk about self-deprecating it's but it's like i'm embracing my level like i'm a diamond two rhythm one trick like this is my understanding of the game there's other rhythm players yes. out there you remember you don't know the gaming history their background or how much mm. rhythm they've played like how about i'm like okay you know i'm done okay i'm making some all right this is pretty basic errors like yep. i'm fucking up but it's all good you know like it's all good like you know yep. oh okay like i'm winning. like oh okay i'm playing these games these are some of my better rhythm games Okay, you know, now I'm going down again. It's like, okay, what's going on? And then maybe it's like, you know, I'm winning. Maybe I'm going three and three on a lot of my blocks or whatever. Like, that's what we want to hear. What he hasn't really internalized. He hasn't internalized that. What was his name again? Morocco. Let's call him Morocco. Morocco. (laughs) My name's Morocco. and, And, you know, I am out here on my own journey. You know, fuck everyone else. It's not about me versus that dude, that dude, that dude. Like Morocco, actually not even that. My name is he probably has his real name Morocco, and then he has like an in-game name. First of all, you got to separate yourself. That's actually step one. Step one, you got to separate yourself as an individual person to your level of play in the game. Mm. So when you lose a game, you are not. It's not you. It's not you. You are not. You're a not piece a of shit. the failure. The, the no. shittest player. But what everyone's saying on the the server. On, no, it's not you. They are. That is, it's like that little picture, that little name. That is not you. And because we play a lot of league and you've got to play a lot of it, it can sometimes feel like that is you, but it's not. So you've got to realize that first. The second thing, he's got to realize that he's, obviously he's incredibly insecure about his level of play, maybe because he's watched a lot of amazing Riven players. So he's got this, so this is a toxic combination. You've got like kind of like perfectionist personality, being a little bit emotional, being quite maybe insecure, maybe like friendship group that, you compare yourself with you. You're like comparing yourself to other people, and but you also don't give yourself credit for your wins and the things that you do well. That is the toxic combination, exactly like Steve. So when they play poorly, it's not just oh, let's get into the details and this is specifically what I did wrong. It's well, this is what I did wrong. How could how could someone make this mistake? That's just disgusting. Like. Steve would always say, you know, look at these mistakes I'm making, Curtis. Isn't this disgusting? Like disgusting level player. You know, who could do this? <laughs> who you know? could do this? Like how how do I don't even deserve to be in a college team? Like, yeah. you know, we just say all this stuff, right? I'm like, just chill the player. hell out, man. Yeah. You should see the quality mistakes I make. Mm. You know, I make shocking mistakes. We all make errors sometimes, okay? The game is incredibly chaotic. So you gotta accept that. But it's again, it's not about you versus anyone, it's you versus yourself. And he hasn't internalized that. He's comparing himself to all these other Riven players are out there. Yep, okay. M- Morocco, you know what, man? Some of them are better than you. Okay, it's inevitable that there are better Riven players than you. But you know what, man? There's a metric ton of them that are worse than you. Does that make you any better than them as a person? No. Does it make you any worse? No. They are on their own journey. You are on their own journey. And there's, a re- there's reasons for that. It could be, like you said, part of their journey, gaming history, right place, right time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. None of that's really important. What's important is what you're doing to improve your level of play with your ribbon, period. So his question there is playing with confidence. So how is that? What's, if you're, it's a nice little sentence summary, mm. like what does playing with confidence would look like? Is that like, he's clearly knows his learning objective. Yep. Um, he's working on, and you know, he's understanding that again, there's no comparison. So confidence, lack of, a big co- lack of confidence comes from, um, I would say you got to be your biggest critic and your biggest fan. And he's over, he's, he's probably only looking at the errors and not looking at the things that he's doing well. Part of improving a league is you got to look at what to replicate, not just what 
to not do next time. Mm. So when you review specifically pragmatic advice is okay, look at a trade that went well and then look at a trade that went poorly and then look at the things that made that trade go well and look at the things that made the trade go poorly and like just get specific as fuck. The more specific, the better. So then when you do something well, you kind of know why it went well and what you need to look for and what you need to replicate and give yourself a pat in the back for doing that good shit. And then the stuff that go bad, so okay, that's there as well. But we've got to remember, this is the thing, Nathan, ties back to the trading analogy that we spoke about earlier on. Painful, negative things like losses and just red and just dying. These things are always more emotionally significant than the things that are good. That one kill or that one tower dive or that one tower that you got. It's, we don't, we're not going to weigh it up the same. So we got to, sometimes we've got to even overcompensate. You've got to take the time, really take the time to look at the wins. That's the luxury of league over trading. You could get specific about the things that you did well. Mm. So these are looking at specific, not looking overall, emphasizing I'm the best, I'm winning the games. Less, the more general, this is Steve's biggest problem. And I always tell him. He's general. He's just general. Yeah. General. I'm he's, winning he's got games. a bad habit of being general. And I say, well, why are you losing? Why are you winning? Why are you winning? As well. Why are you losing? Yeah. And what's the difference between the way you played this, this matchup and then what happened in this game? So then what we did as a review, what was, I think, the big turning point is that he bought three lane reviews and we only looked at like the first five, six minutes of three lanes with the same champion, basically. And then, we got, and then what I did, I went on YouTube and then looked at other pro players play the exact same matchup. We just compared it. We just compared it's it. Super simple, specific. And we got specific detail. Oh, they do this. This is why. They do this. This is why. These are the strengths of that. That's the weakness of that. Just get... And you, this is not thinking about wins and losses. It's not thinking about they could, He could still lose that game with yeah. that good lane phase. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then what do you know? Steven Ada here has gone on recently. He's, he's just skyrocketed, but he's made the cardinal sin. And I roasted him. Guy, look at me. I'm, I went 9-0 and today. I'm 600 LP rather than 200 now. Woohoo. Mm. Well, Steve, I guarantee he's probably going to drop back down. Yeah. Sad reality. Because he cannot he, control All it. it will take is a couple losses and then self-defeat deprecation to down back to 200. Yep. It's not even like... He'll just be playing way worse. He's not even playing at his level He's not of even play. playing at his level of play, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Self-sabotage mode. Yep. So, look, dude. you got to fix your self-talk as well. And what I said to him... I, I wish I could bring it up, but basically what I said to Steve as well. You're never... You're never allowed to, to post a single screenshot or talk about a single loss streak or win streak ever again. That's banned. Good. You're not allowed to screenshot your LP ever again. That's banned. You're not allowed to say anything general, like I, because you would say terms like "I got shit on," mm. "I got dumpstered," yeah, "I got this," that. "I got um, that." What does that mean? What yeah. does getting shit on look like? Did yeah. you did you get out trade levels one to three specifically? Did you die to a level two gank? What what is happening, dude? Get specific. It does. It's just noise to me. That's noise versus performance. Mm. When I hear that term, like in the in a coaching session, like oh, I just get shit on. Like it's just. It just goes straight over my head. Like, it's just, it doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know what the fuck that means. Get specific. But people don't realize the power of getting specific. It's the medicine. That's what's going to make you That feel gives you good. confidence. It actually gives you confidence. It gives you confidence because you know why it's happening. Exactly right. You're not going to lose confidence with something if you know, like, why. Like, because then you know what you know how to fix it, and this wouldn't happen again. Like, you're only losing mm. confidence when you feel as though you. you can't I, I do. It. I do have some problems where people know why they just they just making the same mistake over and over again. Right. So then, then their lack of confidence comes from the inability to execute the play. Yeah. But then there's there's another level of exit. There's, that's a different problem as well. Then. So then, if that was the case, that would get specific. What are they failing to execute on? So, what? Give me an example. Um, I'll tell you how I would wrestle that. dives okay so 
Even dives is too specific. It's too general, let's, just, isn't it? let's just dive though. Let's yeah. just take a dive. Yeah. So what I do, I'm gonna just think of like me in a dive and think of a failing a dive. Okay. So there, there is to an element like the raw ability to like you just misclick. Mm. That, and, and that will come with time and exposure to that specific event, right? You can't be good at something if you haven't done it many times, right? So there's that. But then I would ask myself, okay, where is your attention focused? Because a lot of the time, execution problems can be a failure to know where to direct your attention or what to look for. Or even when you're walking up to that dive, what are you looking at? How are you using that time walking up to that dive? So there's like the buildup and then there's the where are you directing your attention and then there's like the, the variables, and then there's, is the play even good in the first place? Yeah. Is this just a, even a hard yeah, dive yeah, in general? Yeah. I so mean, the, now that I think about it, if you get specific enough... You, you, there's you always a takeaway. Yeah, there there's is. There's always a trend. If you're failing to execute consistently, I highly doubt it's an ex, like a micro problem. Mm. So it's where your attention is It's focused. where your attention what are you is missing? focused. What are you thinking in yeah. before that? Mm. There's always a reason. If it's if it's if it's reliable, if it's a one-off, then yeah, whoop de doo like, We don't know. Again, that's zooming in. We're too zoomed in. We can't tell if this is a real problem or not. It's just noise. Could be just noise. Uh, that's actually a really good toolkit as well. The noise. I'm gonna really use that because, you know, Dif- differentiate between what's noise and what's actual useful what's, performance. What's useful performance? What's stuff that's gonna influence my decision making, my changing my learning objectives, where I need to like focus in reviews versus just just ignore it. This happens. It's gonna. It's that's inevitable. You know. All right, next question here is from another MLA. There's also MLA people getting shouted out today for good and bad reasons. Here we go. We got Hailfire. He's a veteran. How long has he been in Midland? Oh, this for? this might even be a reference to what we spoke about today, is it? Okay, I don't yeah, have he, any. He's read been it. in there. So I've helped Hail for a while. Uh, I don't know if he was in the Kangaroo. I'm unsure. He might have been in the Kangaroo tier, like when I used to do like coaching before the MLA. But he was in the Discord for sure. He was in the Discord. The I definitely helped Discord. him out. I know he's been here for a long time. Yeah, he's like a veteran. Oh, he helped me because I think where I really... Yeah, because so Dale was the one that initially helped me with my itemization video in season 10. Got it. I think. Yeah. He's a, he's a smart dude. Very smart dude. All right. So... Um, so he calls this a letter. Dear Curtis and Nathan, I hope you are both well and I hope the COVID crisis at the couch is over. Yeah, we're, we're back into... We're back in business. Back in business. To tell you the truth, my whole week feels off when I miss the Broken My Concept podcast. It's a lot like my ability to write properly after a period of not writing for a while. Recently, I really thought about it and I found that I have known how for over five years and yet until just about one... Th- one month ago, my writing always somehow slides back to it, illegible scribbles. Um, I knowing what I do now feels foolish to say it was because until one month ago, I wouldn't make myself do proper form at all times. Although sure, I might have a reason uh, why in the moment, either it's the, it's either it's that what I'm writing isn't for other people to read or it's not very important. What happened though for years was I fell into my old habits as I was actively Working to improve because I didn't force myself to write neatly at all times, no matter what. So all this is about issues about his writing, okay. his um, ability, just just physical writing. Uh, before into before I jump into the way this has forever been a silent endemic part of league, and before I give my question that to be honest, I'm at a loss for how to solve. I want to say for anyone who struggles with their handwriting to get the book right now, um, the complete program for better handwriting. Uh, it's like $20, $20, he says. He says, uh, it looks pricey, but I will swear by that 
book for the rest of my life. Now, finally, onto League of Legends. I made that the very long example of my handwriting to demonstrate how something I spent years actively focused on would backslide due to temporary situations where um, I didn't do what I should have done. I had reason I would come up with to justify. I had reasons that I would come up with to justify my actions, and at some point, I'd notice my writing. And then I focus again on it until the next time I fell into thinking I don't need um, to for this. I know. <laughs> it's a bit all over the place right. here. Hail, man. you got to get your shit together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm struggling here. So, you know, problems with handwriting. Yeah. It looks like he's focused on it and it actually was bad. Okay. Right? Yep. So, I know I just said I was going to talk about league. <laughs> And well, other than the word writing, I could describe almost every single time I tried to learn something in league, warding, farming, positioning, tethering, pings, and communication, or just learning how to play a champion. So why does this happen? I have a theory, and it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts. My theory is, in league, we're constantly forced to backslide on goals we set out for due to being met with negative feedback that is not within our control. Feedback in this sense refers to output, you know, win and loss, when paired to our input, what we did, how we did it. Um, This results in our interpretation being inaccurate to reality. There is a very special event that occurs, which I feel has a negative effect on our growth as players, refusing to surrender. And when I say refusing, I'm looking at instances when an individual knows that either the game has less than 5% chance of his or her team plays flawlessly, or if the game is at a 0% chance um, if the enemy were to play without any major errors. I fell that often regardless of Q. Um, I believe it is a result of being able to accept the reality of the events that have occurred and whenever there is a jackpot answer, yes, there is always a chance some freak event or huge mistake occurs, but winning this way is a lot like the loser's game. It is only valuable to an extent. The drawback of this refusal is to allow the game to end. It is a hyper-magnification of negative feedback and causes a ton of unneeded damage to the confidence of the player and the things they did well in-game. I'm going to attempt a very scuffed analogy, but here it goes. You and your team are like an orchestra. You play really well at first, but the other members keep playing the wrong note or are out of sync. Eventually, the whole composition is in shambles, but instead of starting over, you keep playing and the sound gets worse, as you do because the mistakes start to make you mess um mess up too and instead of everyone getting to reset you all sound worse as the music goes on now yes this is analogy is not perfect but it's hard to capture the essence of what snowballing is in terms of why it continually grows in effect i think that makes sense i mean you know that's like you're sort of like stuck to play you have to keep playing but people like out of sync and then that person tilts because that person's like oh wait what's the next note i play because i'm out of sync and and then everyone's poor performance is impacting other people's that's right performance yeah to finally close off this lengthy letter, I'll ask you both, what do you think is the correct way to handle when a team won't give up and that it is unwinnable? Mm. My dilemma comes from the divide of not wanting to grief and open, but not wanting to indulge an enemy that could easily end, but is dragging out the game to farm kills versus the team that won't surrender. I hate going from 6-1-2 to 8-10-8 because I had to play 15 extra minutes versus a super punishing team comp that was not respected and ran away with the game before I had any chance to stop it. I feel like the second half of the game ruins the first half for me, even though the first is arguably much more important. Right, so that's from Hellfire. Let's, yeah, look, this is kind of a flow on from our previous discussion today, um, but I think it's worth going a little bit deeper here. 
there's a, there's I mean there's a lot there's a lot to 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 tackle here. Let's start by I want to start by using the. Let's start by thinking of it in terms of okay we can think of it in terms of like raw LP gain, um, and we can talk of it in terms of energy conservation, mental state, and we can talk of it in terms of habit building, and we talk of it in terms of um your like character development as well yeah right? there's all good approaches you could tackle this question so, with so let's start with character development mm. um from from a you know at the end of the day none of us here are really going pro very i mean there's a handful like two or three mm. that i know of mm. one in you maybe two in mine that are probably genuinely trying to go pro yeah so a lot of us here are here for here for personal reasons right we get enjoyment from the game it's a fun hobby fun, want to improve. good hobby personal development learn more about there's many you know a few different reasons character plays a very important role in long-term success in any endeavor and i feel as though you know let's tie it back to michael schumacher in his time in ferrari there are many times okay let's even use the the there's one of the analogies uh one of the exact events they were halfway through the season in order to win the championship, he had to win every race from halfway through the year to the end. Mm. What are the chances of that? No one does that. Yeah. And that year, I believe he managed to do it. Yeah. So what was a, you could call that a freak event. You could call it whatever you want. But that win, that one championship win changed everything for him. And um, he could have easily given up throughout the season and blamed. He said, well, why, why try it? Let's just... Let's just start on the next season. Let's just start on the next season, you know. Mm. But no, he started and won that one game, that one race. It gave him a bit of confidence, and he won the next one, gave him a bit of confidence, and he started building a win streak. And I believe he ended up winning that. That that was the two thousand season. I'm pretty sure. And I think that in league, and we spoke about touching this before. You, you know, you want to develop that mindset where like anything's winnable from a sheer confidence perspective and then just knowing how to give 100% throughout a game all the time. And that just becomes your mode. You're on the rift, I give 100%. And I think many people have created poor habits and we see this from a different perspective. They play a lot of uh, normal games with their main champion such that when they play on their main champion, they don't know how, like their subconscious and their muscle memory doesn't know how to distinguish between turning it on and turning it off. Because it's this weird middle ground. Well, some games I am, but some games I'm just playing for fun for fun this is like actually sometimes three blocks and i'm a big critic of 610 how he plays he does like beautiful games and then he just plays to like 1am doing four fun games mm. on his main it's like mm. he says oh yeah but i'm getting some value or whatever it's like no you're actually going worse because you're instilling bad habits mm. so i feel like there's an element here although it might be very minimal that hail here by giving up and wanting to get out and go next could be instilling potential bad habits from an intensity perspective that's just one element. Yep. Do you have anything to say on that one? Yeah, I agree. Yep. Okay. Now let's look at it from a perspective of, okay, developing a different skill set. We use the example today of Sybil in that game where I thought it was borderline, you know, really, really hard to win, especially at a high level of play. Zero three Talia, top gets solo killed, mids like, um, their mids like zero three versus Fed Echo, Fed Aurelia, Fed Chogath. I'm a Rakan scaling into mid game. Chances are it's a bloody hard game. But what did Sybil do? He played the game creatively to win. 
He 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 played did really unorthodox techniques and strategies to win the game. Does that mean so he obviously wouldn't have gone developed that skill set by FFing at fifteen every game, the games that he thought were unwinnable. Sybil is the perfect example of a player that doesn't give up, but in the process of not giving up, knows how to win from behind. Mm. He's developed a skill set to be able to win from behind. He's not sitting there rolling. He's like doing like very would say high risk, high variance things that just end up working. And he would lose some. You would some lo- still lose a lot of them, but yeah. he's still developing a beautiful skill set yeah. regardless. That's going to serve you at some point, and yeah. that can be the difference, you mm. know, over time. Mm. So there's that. So you're missing out on potentially developing a skill. So like the Cass- Chinese Cassiopeia play, there was many, many, many games where I'm watching him play. He just like these weird plays that I thought was unwinnable. Mm. Mango fish, same thing. Unwinnable games. Mm. I would deem unwinnable, but he wins them somehow by pulling creative shit out of his ass. Mm. The other thing, leagues are incredibly chaotic game and my theory is that the more you are ahead the worse you play Mm. i've seen this time Mm. and time again myself included i do play worse from ahead Mm. because you get complacent so you might be really far behind but the chances are that there is a possibility that any combined even though you might not be actively able to do something people mess up the game's hard and the shutdown mechanic is in there The shutdown mechanic yeah um so these all these factors, and given Hale plays in gold, plat, there's even more chance that something chaotic is going to happen because no one's playing Flawless League of Legends. Everyone, I think, has- based on that alone, Hale should go into these games, like, figure it out, try and problem solve, just do an exercise for it. Do an exercise, yeah. Do not think about the whole me- energy mental concept. Like I know you're you getting frustrated. You should be playing a three block anyway. You don't. You shouldn't need yeah. that extra excess energy regardless. Yeah. Like you should have enough energy to withstand a, three, a full three block. Mm. Yeah, it's like an interesting thought experiment. It's like, how many times could I win? And what skills would I develop? And how does my intensity overall? He uses the analogy of the orchestra. Yes, that's the reality of like what happens, but that's actually, you need to be thinking about, that's actually every game of solo queue. Like in a way, like you have to adapt to the orchestra being off sync. Well, I, I have to have a few criticisms about this, this, this analogy though. Yeah. There's been many times where... We've, the team has actually got behind so far that they actually play with free flow because they don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, they actually now, get actually synced happened? in a way, yeah. Because I found that before where I'm like, look, I'm probably going to lose. Like, let's just go ham now. Like, mm. they play with no fear. Mm. That has won me so many. And mm. people, and sometimes, because they have no nerves anymore, it's like the game's screwed. Mm. Let's just go in. Mm. And you can just make a pick and mm. win the game. Mm. That has happened a metric ton of times. And also, the other thing with the orchestra is you're not versing someone else. So imagine if it was like an orchestra, right? And it was like a 1v1 orchestra. Who could play the better song? When one orchestra would play it worse, I guarantee you when one orchestra plays worse, the other one, especially if they could hear it or know it was happening, they could get complacent. They could think, oh my God, I'm going to win. I'm going to get LP in, in the sense of like league. Oh my God. Then they're going to put the foot off the gas, off the, you know, foot off the gas. There's another air. There's a whole other variable there you need to consider as well. Um, and I agree in the sense that people are delusional about sometimes whether or not they can win. And, and, and I think it's really difficult to think of league in terms of like a percent of winning a game. Mm. It's very hard. Mm. Like you can call it a 5% chance or a zero. There's, there's never 0% chance, but let's just say 0.1% chance, 5% chance, 10% chance. It's still a chance. I mean, whether you're in a game for an extra five minutes or 10 minutes, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not really going to change much, is it? Not really. It's not like you're really spending that 10 minutes 
the rest of the day flawlessly anyway. If you're six and one, you have an opportunity to win the game. No doubt. Yep. Especially with his pool. And in his elo. In his elo. Yep. So, uh, I don't want to hear it, to be honest. Mm. Figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah, let's do the exercise. And I think he's putting way too much thought into it as well. Yeah, we're overthinking it. He's an overthinking guy. He's an overthinking dude. Yeah. 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 The moment you start overthinking about the game, you're ranked and you're in a world for hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Simple, focused, fundamentals, basics. Yep. I'm I'm just worried about the long term effects of following that approach anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Because he's not not capable of determining what is winnable and what is not winnable. Correct. So that's at the most fundamental level, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's, it can't work. So, you know, thanks, Al, for writing that letter. But the harsh reality, I want you to scrunch up that letter, throw it in the bin, okay? Because <laughs> it was probably cracking up right now. Because it was, it was handwritten. But then he, I read the... Wait, he wrote... He, oh, you wrote, can I see that? Yeah, I was, well, that was handwritten. To. Yeah, well, no, I mean, he, he, was... he typed it out. Like, I think I just misinterpreted it ah, a bit. It's, it's so, so he typed brutal. that. So he, re- he wrote the actual letter and then he typed out the letter. Yeah. But I didn't end up reading it because it's just so everything's together. Oh my together, god, so. that handwriting though. Yeah, it's great handwriting. That's beautiful handwriting. But it's all like not sentences, so it's a bit hard to read. Oh right, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a mess. Oh wow, imagine writing like that. That's beautiful. All right. Um, moving on here. Um. MOBA veteran, new to league, when to jump into ranked. This is from Jordan. Hello, Nathan Curtis. Love the show. I've been listening since your first episode and is the best resource I've found for learning the game. I've been an avid player of Heroes of the Storm for about six years. High plat, low diamond ranked. And as the game slowly dies, I've been making the transition to league. I've played about 100 games this season and am account level 37 playing exclusively normal draft mode a lot of my hots knowledge seems transferable but i still don't understand what a lot of the enemy champs do i am often caught off by off guard by ultimates and struggle with things like macro and who to focus in team fights do you have any advice for mobile veterans who are trying to learn this game how quickly should i jump into ranked i would play 500 normal games yeah and then play for fun no three blocks just grind it out you should be able to power that pretty quick play some music in the background get a few friends we're talking 15 hour gaming sessions yeah (laughs) bit of mountain dew nah just you just want to play a lot yeah it doesn't matter about three blocks just get games in you did at least five when you're learning the game again you should have fun fun. yeah have fun fun. i would love to figure out what all the champs do yeah i played thousand bot games and a thousand normal games yeah before i got into ranked so do that Play like a metric it. time. Don't even think about ranked. No. Until you confidently know what every champion does, you're going to get no value from ranked anyway. That's right. You're basically going to have to do that in ranked anyway. Like. So there's no point. You're just going to ruin yeah. your MMR. I think 500 games. I mean, interesting to see what the cutoff was. 500? 500. Maybe 250. 250. It's hard. I don't, Dep- I don't it depends. Know how, it depends I would say at least. Bet- I mean, there's no way you're going to know what every champ does confidently. Like, understand it's like damage output. Yeah, I don't think... Lower than 250 games. No yeah. way. Well, remember, people play champs to different limits as well in ranked and stuff if you're climbing. Like, I mean, my initial reaction is I need you to get ranked but he should ASAP. Play, no, but he should actually play a lot of different champs as well. Yeah, okay. If sure. I, that's what I did. And that's a, I reckon that's a way faster way okay. of learning. You should yep. like pick different champ every game, to be honest with you. Yep. Try every champion. The, buy all the champs if you can, ideally. Mm. Play them all. Mm. Basic, get it, get like a, get, get like a basic rundown of the champ. Play it, 
try a basic build and then you like figure out what the kit does and like oh okay cool oh, that'll be so fun try them all every role yeah and then over five, a course of 500 normal games with every champion you will know what style you like you'll kind of know what role Choose you like your role. and then you'll be able to go from there otherwise you just can't you'll be lost yeah yeah i mean he has played a mode before i feel like it shouldn't take him 500 games i think it should be 250 yeah, I have no idea. Some of you are doing there. But I want him to get into ranked pretty soon, man. I, I really do. Really? Yeah. And, and, no, as, I, a, as someone who's played him over before. I would say until he confidently knows what every champion in the game does. No, there's. I think there's. That's he's going to be there for years. You would never... I don't think that's realistic. What? Really? Yeah. I don't think so, man. Years. No, I mean, like, it could. Like, like that... That He'll trick himself into thinking he's Think about how confident. many champs are in the game. Is there like, I thought there's like 130, 140, 150, yeah. If you play play one of every champion. Yeah, it's 150 games. 150 games. You don't have to play one of every champion. You have to play, I would say, the majority of the champs. Yeah, so let's say 250 games. Yeah. You could, if you played all the champs. I think playing 60 champs is fine. Yeah, you could. But I think you would, the more you can play, the better. Yes, okay, yep. Or even going into practice tool with them, figuring out what Yeah, you're doing. there you go. That That's would be fine as well. Yeah. I don't think you have to play out full games. Because there's, like, there's no yeah, element should, of champ no, mastery the, there. No, you don't focus on champ mastery at the Until beginning. Until ranks. Because you, the way you got to view it is... Because you would literally like not have fun because you'd lose every game. I don't know about that. Well, like all I remember is that like when I was determining what I liked, mm. I tried a metric ton of champions. Okay. And then, like, depends. I mean, he might know his style from Hots, right? He might know his style. Like, if he knows he's a mage player, then it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Or if he's like, a yeah, well, that's pre- what I'm saying. He's a MOBA person, Curtis. You're, you're, I think you're approaching this from someone who's or never brand played. New. True. I didn't I even play I a single MOBA before. He's he low down. He should understand the mechanics, fundamentals of like our MOBAs to be played. Yeah, but that's not what he's struggling with. It's like knowing who to target and how much damage he just gets caught off. By yeah, stuff. you can learn that in ranked. But why would you want to learn that in ranked? What's the difference? Because. Q time, I mean, anyway. people, it's just be more toxic, more miserable. It's just, yeah, I don't see the point. What's the benefit? No one knows how to play the champ anyway, whether you're in norms or in ranked. Yeah, but there is an element, there's a big difference between first time in a champ and in a game and 10 games in the champ. There's a big difference, even five games. No, but like, why Why do it in ranked? Why not just... Yeah, okay, well, now I'm saying different. Now I'm saying talking about the normal right. games as well. Just the just you saying play every champ. Because like the way I view it, like if you played if you've played a MOBA before and you've played fifty normal games or something on your champion, right? Let's just say he played he knew what all the champs do, and then he just played okay, let's say thirty normal games on that one champ that he really likes, he would go straight to gold. He wouldn't be in silver, he wouldn't be in bronze, he wouldn't be in any yeah. of those ranks, he would go straight to gold. Yeah. So like why learn that? Why have to climb through iron, bronze, silver when he can just start in gold? Because he might screw his MMR trying to learn champs, and then he'd be stuck in getting plus 12 in silver. Not actually hurt his improvement because he's versing shitter players. No, Curtis, because at the end of the day, his level of skill is equals his ranks. So we fix his MR. Yeah, MMR over time, but like why? But if you are only as good as your opponents, you will improve faster by versing better opponents. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, but so, I, so you I, know what I mean? So you're, you're coming, yeah, we're splitting hairs right now, but you, what you're saying is learn from ranks. Go in there because the players are going to be better than normals. Yeah. I disagree with that. I think bronze and iron. Yeah, about is the, the same as normals. Even, even worse, probably than normals, I right? Agree. Yeah. So then there's that. But let's just say he learns stuff in, in ranked. 
he's obviously going to lose a lot because he doesn't know what the hell the champs do and stuff like that. So he's going to have a negative win rate in bronze. And the system plays really... They'll overemphasize that. If you're a noob in the game and says you've got a negative win rate in bronze, you're going to be there forever, even if he wins a lot. But yeah. if he just waited, held off just a little bit longer, yeah, okay. played those games of norms, he would predominantly just go straight to gold, gold four, silver one, and then and then he versus better opponents. He will improve faster because... All right, all right. You know, see what I mean? Yeah, okay. All right. So all right, I agree with you. So maybe it's actually even more normal game. So... Maybe 500 to 750. You want to skip, ideally. You want to... Depends on the rank, the types of plays you're seeing in normals. Yeah. As well. No, I don't know Because I don't know what you get yeah. when you play normals at that level, you know? It's pretty variant. No, I mean, there's a lot of smurfs and stuff like that. You're probably versing... Yeah, you're probably versing more smurfs and yeah. stuff, right? Um, it's so hard. Um, but I definitely disagree playing one champ every game. That's ridiculous, Curtis. Because you will never figure out how to. You, there's no. There's not fun in that. Like you right. want to be like, okay, I, I use this ability one way. It's like now I want to use it. Right, got gotcha. you. Know? Yeah, I can see that. That's ridiculous. I, I would say like, <sighs> if you were to play this, is, okay, this is where I'm going to end this. Yeah, 500 games. You play 25 games on each champion, which would equal four um, times okay. by. Yeah. Um, Four, well, my maths here, four times five is 20 champions. You're That's only going to play 20 champs. I like that. That makes 25 sense. 25 games, yep. yeah? Because there's no learning. There's nothing. Yeah, no learning. No, imagine that. You might as well just go practice tool if you're going to do yeah, one game. Just go practice right. tool. Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, with that. So normal so games. So there'll be 20 champs. Tw- yeah, that's, 20 good. Champs, that's a good number. 25 games each. And you should know that and then the role and the style that you like. Yeah. And then just all in on that. That's and then right. after that, you pick one or two champs. Yeah. And track it out on a spreadsheet if you want. Or is that not fun? Not fun. Because how would you know? You just do roughly. Do roughly rough, around 20 roughly. Games. You'll yeah. know. Yeah. You'll know. Maybe you can do two champs at a time. But he should only play two champs in ranked. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. As, as we talk about. Yep. That'll be interesting. I want to kind of... Yeah. Up there Let us know, one. Jordan. That'll be interesting. interesting. I've never... We've never had that luxury. We were no. new. New, new to the MOBAs when yeah. we came to the league. But everyone was also new as well, so... I mean, there's a lot of Ben C people that I knew who played Dota. Yeah, but in general, they were new to the... MOBAs? Yeah. I would say so, for sure. I mean, just not the maybe just not the people I played with. Yeah, not the people you yeah. play with. But yeah. Dota was pretty damn big, dude. It was, wasn't Dota it? Dota was big. That's true. Especially in Australia within the Chinese community. Mm. It was really big. Mm. And um, and that other one, Warcraft. And Calvin and stuff, they came from Warcraft. Mm. So most of the people we surrounded ourselves, they came from either Dota or they came from Warcraft. Okay, I guess all the players that were good. No, no one, no one was new for, to the, at least back then. I remember I was getting dominated by people because they all played Warcraft and Dota. Uh, yeah, I guess. I'd even heard of those games. Really? Had you heard of Dota before? By the way, when you first started, no, I didn't even heard of it. No, it's crazy. It was just Cod and World of Warcraft for me, Curtis. All right, well that's it for the breaking by concept today. Cool. Good work. Let's keep it up. Can't wait to see 70. Steve. I'm going to send this straight to Steve-O. Yeah. Hopefully we get some a ruckus caused in the yep. Curtis's Discord. How far is probably not going to be happy with the way I rate nah. his, his letter, but... Handwriting is good, though. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely worth raising it, you know. Yeah, for sure. Good work, everyone. We'll see you next time.